0: please listen carefully
1: and now live from the studio in mckinney texas it's the assuming positions podcast featuring two guys flapping gums and being chums kevin and mikey
0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today on the podcast we have an amazing guest. Oh, this is such a wonderful treat. The one, the only, Billy West. Billy <laughs> West, it's such a treat Thank to have you. you.
2: Thank you
1: so much.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, what's it, is I that never Bill-
1: thought I would
0: actually get to talk to you guys.
2: I think I I I think our lines may be crossed though. I I Thought I knew who Billy West sounded like, and yeah. this sounds like somebody different. It kind of does. It,
1: it was a little It was a little kid.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, a little kid after my own heart, Billy West. It's good to hear from you.
1: Good to hear from you, too.
2: So we
0: ran into Billy West this past weekend while we were at Anime Houston.
2: Yeah. And uh, it,
0: yeah. yeah, it was our first time out to Anime Houston. What'd uh, you think? It was it was a lot of fun. We know the John and Jay from Anime Dallas. We've done Anime Dallas three times. And, yes. And they lured us down to uh, Anime Houston <laughs> for the the drive. Well, he's a wonderful guy. Yeah, they're they're. Yeah,
1: he's a live wire. I love talking to that guy.
0: Yeah, they're they're great guys. They uh, kept us uh, Scott, our producer, and me out late uh, Saturday night. We tr- we kept trying to leave the party, and they kept wanting to do karaoke with us. So. <laughs>
1: oh i told them i told them forget it i i would that's a suicide mission for me if I, if I stay up if i stay up past like 8 30 or 9 o'clock i'm doomed the next day <laughs> oh i hear you
0: it's understandable how was your time at anime houston
1: i thought it was great and yeah. uh you know it appeared to be a smaller show maybe it's because it was spread out in different rooms that i couldn't mm, see yeah but but uh there was a great crowd of people, mm-hmm. and it was nonstop for me and and I got to meet everybody and talk to everybody and you know parents that would come up and they'd bring their kids and i, I just I love it so much, I can't tell you you know to hear that there's full grown adults you know that were little children when I started,
2: yeah and, yeah,
1: and now they they bring their kids and their kids their kids know what I do, and it's just it's surreal. Yeah, but it's it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I will keep doing it till they tell me don't
0: show up anymore. <laughs> it sounds like our plan.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I, that experience, I totally get it. That that that's an, an amazing experience to get to have people come up and tell you the impact that you have. Is that something that you get a lot like is a con, going to yeah. the convention circuit? Is that something you actually do or is this um, more of a every every once in a while type of thing?
1: No, I do them regularly. You know, at least once a month, and sometimes three times a month, because there's so many shows. Yeah. Like when I started, there was only three shows. That's a long time ago. Wow, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was San Diego yep. and um, Atlanta and Chicago. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was it. And uh now there's about 600 of them, and uh, and and there are cities that have the show two or three times a year, because oh, yeah. the people they'll come, they'll they'll show up. It's a great place to hang out mm-hmm. because you can bring your kids and you can stay as long as you want and you can eat your way from one end of the snack bar to the other <laughs> and, and see all kinds of cool stuff. I think it's a great thing for the family to do.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, we saw and- a bunch of families out there at Anime Houston. It was mm-hmm. great with so many people dressed up and so many cool things for sale, like you were saying. Yeah, it's Yeah, great to-
1: that's the other part that I really love is the the cosplay. I mean, you know, it might be cool to be a nerd now, but it wasn't like sixty years ago.
0: Nope. Oh no, you get beat up no. for where dressing up in a costume. It wasn't. It wasn't thirty years ago.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I'm talking sixty years ago, yeah, yeah. and um, and I was just uh, if there were things like Comic Con back then, I would have just up and ran away and joined the circus. You
2: yeah. know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure.
1: I really would have. I mean, it was a it was an escape. Just. Occasions like Halloween was the closest I could get to a Comic Con
2: experience. Yeah. Oh, I hear you.
1: And I just, I lived for that stuff. I would, I put together a Flash outfit because he was my favorite guy. Flash was um, your favorite?
2: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. When I was like um, nine years old, I put together a Flash outfit out of just makeshift stuff. Like, um, you know, those, the, the yellow cones he's got on the side of his head Mm -hmm. with the little wings i i used like yellow Sunday cups plastic Sunday cups Uh that the the ice cream man had Uh and uh you know and i really i mean when i looked in the mirror it was it was good enough for me i felt like okay i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna run up the street in half a second you know yeah
2: oh i'm sure you were at least 10 miles per hour faster on those feet that day too
1: yeah yeah (laughs)
2: Well, they were young feet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you mentioned adults coming up
0: to you, and I have to tell you that I am pushing fifty right now. But right. I, I am originally—I'm not originally from Texas. I'm originally from the Boston area. I was born in Cambridge. Uh-huh. I was born in Cambridge, Mass. I lived a little bit in North Andover. I grew up in Nashua, New Hampshire. Um, so I WBCN was on in the. Car, my parents' car in the mornings, and I would hear the Big Mattress Show, and I didn't even know I was hearing you on there, <laughs> but oh, wow. but I was hearing you, and I have to tell you, to this day, anytime I see Columbo I think of Folk and Athol, <laughs> Folk and <laughs> Athol. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, oh my god! Because um, you know who
1: loves that. You know who loves that bit.
0: Who loves that bit? Angelette Does he? Oh wow. That's that's yes. that's it's really funny cuz I think I was maybe like around 12 or 13 when that dropped and that's for for a kid hearing something like that on the radio that's that so so close to being scandalous you know, in my dad's car and my dad's laughing
2: and I know, but just, the thing
1: is you have to explain to people that there is actually a city in Massachusetts yeah.
2: called Athol. Yeah, Athol Mass. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah. you're not just calling me a name? Oh. Okay. <laughs> no,
0: it's Peter Falk and he's an athol and he was going around talking about all all the stuff there and people were yelling at him like, Why are you here, Peter Falk?
1: Yeah, he said, Oh, look at this. This is all you gotta take a get the camera. Look at this city hall. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I gotta ask i gotta ask where they got a city hall oh, like that because we don't have one like that at all. that's right it's fault in apple oh my god
0: yeah it was that, that that i didn't even know i was listening to you it was just funny voice on the radio and and then uh, as i get older i graduate to listening to howard stern i mean i'm a podcaster over here partly because i loved radio so much and i love getting on a yes. microphone and 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 then I'm listening to Howard Stern and it's like you, while I graduated up to be old enough to be listening to Howard Stern, you pop up there too. And you're running around yeah. doing, I wouldn't know who Marge Shott was if it wasn't for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's Billy talking about, Robin?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's, it, 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 it's, it's amazing how like far back your voice goes in my memory. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I
1: know it's, it, it's, I was thinking about that today. Um, I was thinking about how lucky I've been, you know, like when I go to these shows, I just I'm always reminded, like how fortunate Mm -hmm. I am. I've never, you know, copped an attitude, you know, about business or success or anything, because my heroes weren't celebrities, you know, Mm -hmm. they just weren't. My heroes were like sculptors and artists and musicians, Uh, composers and painters, you know,
2: creators. um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Creators, not celebrities. And, um, you know, to sit and have people come over and and have appreciated the work you did, that makes it that's real. The real reason for it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, and I and I, I made a deal with myself when I first started out. I said, I'm never going to play it small. I'm going to always play it big because mm-hmm. you'll never be able to inspire anybody else if you play it small. So the characters had to be more real than cartoon characters. They had to be like people you could know. Oh,
2: I, I wouldn't nice. I wouldn't
1: settle for doing a two-dimensional character voice for a cartoon, you know, just like I heard on Saturday morning cartoons that are screeching and cloying, annoying, <laughs> high-pitched genderless voices. And you know, I mean, there's nothing real about that, but mm-hmm. but you know, here I was working for Matt Groening. And he showed me pictures of the characters, and I said, "Oh man, I got to think long and hard before I open my mouth." And luckily, I hit on all cylinders that day. I went with my gut reaction the minute they showed me a picture. The first thing I thought of is what I went with because I've learned to to trust uh, my instant, my gut. You know, it's mm. like if you if you don't listen to it, it gets smaller and smaller, and then it says, "Well, you never talked to me, so I left."
0: That's sage advice right there, for yeah. sure. You mentioned looking at the characters. Is there a different approach that you take between, like, an uh, an impersonation, like a Peter Falk or Marge Shot, and then a character? Is, what's the how's the pro- approach different between those two things?
1: Well, impressions. Um, I mean, that's not my main um, interest. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I could do impressions. I can't do every impression, but I can do them. Yeah. And I, and I always preferred to bring some sort of hook to it that made it bigger than what it was, mm. you know, cause if you get some guy who sounds exactly like whoever he's imitating and, and you don't go anywhere with it or do something with it. Yeah. You know, it just, it turns out to be, and it might sound something like this, you know, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and, and, and it's cliche. Yeah. Um, but even a bad impression is a voice no one's ever heard before, mm. you know? So I, I thought about that too in the creation of voices. Mm, yeah. Um, Something, you
2: know, and um, go ahead. uh, I was just going to say something that you were talking about and something that I was thinking about. And if this is hot air, then, you know, tell me to kick rocks. But (laughs) uh, so um, you mentioned Matt Groening and that's Futurama with Philip J. Fry, who is literally a stranger in a strange land and a a boy out of space and time. Um, You also you also did Doug, who is a nerd in cartoon form, who is has has the high school struggles. And then we go back to Ren and Stimpy, who are weird, weird little creatures. But also, in a meta sense, they're coming from an underdog studio, Spumco, and in the big waters of Nickelodeon. Um, that underdogness yes. is that like is that a conscious thing you seek out, or is it just like circumstance and serendipity?
1: No, it, it's like it's the second thing you said. It is um, serendipitous, and oh, wow. it is um, it's ironic that it works out that way because I prefer things to be that way. Mm-hmm. I, I think if things stack too evenly on top of each other, there's nothing interesting about it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I I, I always thought it was like the untied shoe theory. Um, I that? wanted to be the untied shoe. Like when you go into a shoe store and everything looks perfect, but there's one pair that's got laces that are flopped <laughs> open and everything that, what do you stop and look at that?
0: Oh, absolutely. Ah,
1: yes. Yes. You know, because you go, what the hell, you know, they yeah. couldn't have been thorough, <laughs> you know, but you begin <laughs> to wonder and, and try and, you know, spectrum analyze. I think too much. That's the problem. So, uh, I get uh, you.
0: That doesn't seem to be a problem, though. Not at <laughs> all. So I know that you're a big Stooges guy. Three Stooges, right? Yes. Yes. I was wondering if you came to them the same way I did as a fellow Boston area person. What Were you watching it on TV 38? Cause I was watching I was
1: watching it on 38 yeah but, but I have to tell you that I was born in Detroit Michigan ah and that's where I, that's where I first uh encountered them and ah. um Looney Tunes yeah um I moved to uh Boston when I was about 11. ah yeah and you know I I loved uh whenever I could get to watch them it was you know I, I had a really rough rough childhood Mm-hmm. I mean, it was horrific. And I just wrote a I just wrote a book oh. and I'm going to you know, I'm going to get it published and I'm going through photos and illustrations and this, and that and the other thing. Uh-huh. But when people read it, they're going to go, is this book about you or your father? You know, because my uh... father was a drunken, psychotic abuser and and my life was hell for the first 10 years of my life. And then my mom took me and my two brothers and got out of there.
2: Uh, okay. You know, and, you,
1: and back back in those days, the church ruled people's lives. You weren't allowed to get divorced. You weren't allowed to even get separated. This is the fifties I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, um, it it was just like there was so much restriction on everything. You know, like you you weren't allowed to be silly or crazy. People had no use for it, especially me. The old lady, the Italian lady up the street, used to call me a gacchieron, You <laughs> know. Which- <laughs> which meant talking machine, which is weird because that's when I, that's when I started talking. I mean, I was nonverbal in the beginning mm. and I expressed myself through turretting out noises and voices and um, police cars and dogs and flying saucers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and that was the way I expressed myself because I'd get tongue tied, you know, it's too self-conscious. But, I, but then I find out that, you know, years, many years later, I find out that I'm on the high end of the autism spectrum. So so I identify with going to the Comic-Cons. I got um, you. You know, I see people with gifts. I really do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's a very good space for them to, to show up and hang out because of the inclusivity and everybody sharing a passion and, you know, having conversations like – You being open about it and your struggles and, uh, you know, your autism and then speaking out about it, just somebody being able to hear that is so impactful. Yeah, it's very invaluable.
1: Well, a lot of a lot of people have been affected by that because you're talking about, I would say, 90 percent of the people that go to those shows, you know, and the parents will explain to me, well, he's not he's not too talkative because he's, you know, on the spectrum. And I said, I get it. I totally Mm -hmm. get it. I said, he's probably got gifts and everything. And the guy said when his son wasn't listening, he said, he's a math genius. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So, I mean, these people, I always thought, you know, when you discover your superpowers, it's like, look out, look out because, um, it's, there's a purity to it. And, and I also think I have a theory, like there isn't a narcissist within 20 miles of any of these shows. There's million. no toxic masculinity. There's no misogyny. There's none of that shit.
2: Oh, absolutely! And,
1: and what a world this would be if that shit didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And that's the world where I can go and not have to think about it or deal with it because it doesn't exist. These are all empaths.
0: Mm, yes. All
1: of them. That's a trait, you know. And and I also think that it's um, the next stage in our evolution you know, I really do. I mean, I, I, every day I look and I see, uh, you know, 20 new mass murders and I just read a story about, um, uh, somebody killed somebody else over like a candy bar or something. And and it's like guys, full grown men slugging it out on a jet 35,000 feet above the earth, you know, endangering everybody, But, but, but like, full grown men. And you say to yourself, where do these freaks come from? Why, why are they proliferating?
2: Yeah. Why so so much aggression?
1: Yeah. But I mean, it's getting scary and, and we pretend to look the other way. It's like our newscasters always go, well, welcome to the new normal. And I'm like, no, 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 no. There's nothing normal about this stuff. This is a new thing and people are going berserk in record numbers and and so what's going on while you're not looking is the explosion of autistic births that nobody seems to be able to explain. Okay. You know, we look the other way when society is in trouble, where we're going to cancel each other out, but nature doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, our, and I think nature had to make an intervention and a correction. And I don't think it's too outrageous to, to think that I'm not a scientist, you know, as the Republicans love to say, but, um, uh, <laughs> I'm not a scientist, <laughs> but, but you, I blow you, one on television.
2: I was going to say, you voiced a couple of them. Yeah, he, he's, he's
0: voiced a couple of scientists, voiced a couple of Republicans, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. But, but I mean, it's all in good fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what I'm getting at is that um, I think in 100 years, 200 years, society might be brought up by the addition of um, – all these people on the spectrum, you know. Okay. I just think it's uh nature making a correction. Look at Yellowstone Park, you know, every day, yeah, some some new imbecile goes in there I, oh, and tries yeah. to do tries to do the Macarena with a buffalo.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and have their friend videotape it. And you know, and and the buffalo is nature is standing by just out of frame watching everything happen. <laughs> And, and all of a sudden it's like snort, you know, boom, dead. <laughs> yeah. Guy's dead. And and nature just steps out and says, like it was a travelogue, you know, look, w- you know, what do you want me to do? I had to get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, w- we don't need people like that in the gene pool. I'm sorry. His friend taking the video just happens to be a little smarter than him so he can <laughs> stay
2: yeah, for he, today. He knows he doesn't for have today. to be the, the second slowest guy. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah but- right.
1: But, I mean, that's that's basically how nature works.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just went to Yellowstone over the summer, and they told us that one, yeah. of, one of the buffalo there was 4-0 this year.
2: 4-0 against yeah. people? Yeah. <laughs> Not surprising.
0: <laughs> there was a specific buffalo. They were counting.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's just, like, it's really unfortunate because— Sometimes they have to go to the extreme of euthanizing a beautiful, perfectly Mm -hmm. wild animal in its own habitat because we have so many cement heads. Yep. You know, you're not going to get in the way of my party. I don't care if you're a buffalo. (laughs) Yeah. I need to fuck around. That's my nature. Okay? We're talking about nature here. That's my nature. (laughs) I love to fuck around.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm king of this little area, regardless of your size or how furry you are.
1: But it's getting disgusting. It's getting to be too much. And so I had to – I hope something wonderful happens to us genetically. I really do. And, you know, I just – I think about it a lot when I see how people appear to be devolving. Mm. You know, animals don't devolve. No. But we are. I mean, a dog today is the same as a damn dog in 1931. (laughs) You know, there's no difference. True. Difference in people is stratospheric.
2: Oh, that's mm. why I think that's why they use that word spectrum, just because there are so many different shades and, and steps along it.
1: Yes. And it's a good um, over 60 vitamin to take if you're a senior citizen. <laughs>
0: spectrum.
2: <laughs> oh, hilarious. I'm signed up for their internet service and it's kind of terrible. So, no. spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but I, I, it's a great time to be silver. <laughs>
2: No, it isn't. Um, I, I, I do have to say, like, I'm making comments on this sort of uneducated about the the autistic diagnosis, but. Um, is that sort of what led you to your uh, seeking out creators and people making things and why you sort of vary your where you're going? Because, I mean, you do voices, a ton of voices, but you've done radio, uh-huh. you've done music. Uh, I mean, you make various forms of art. Is that a factor of it? Is that something like you need to to be a part of you?
1: Yes. and And it's almost like you have to wonder why you wound up with the people you wound up with in life. It has to occur to you one day. How does one I played with Brian Wilson? That oh was my, my hero. god.
2: What? That was my idol. <laughs> like Brian Wilson of I, the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson.
1: Yes. Holy crap. Yes. The guy that wrote Good Vibration the guy that wrote God Only Knows and, yeah. and uh and Heroes and Villains and you know, I mean I I was like, I was like David Byrne, you know, and you may find yourself standing on stage with Brian Wilson. My God, you know, how old did I get here? Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's, that's what it's like. It's like, how do these things happen? And it's because you share an energy with them and they recognize it in you. And you certainly recognize it in them. And, uh, and I've been in that situation at least, at least 25 times with my heroes. That's getting, to work, getting to work with somebody I watched on television when I was sitting in my own shit, you know? <laughs> no, seriously, my mom let me stay up late when I was about five or six. And um, there was a show on in the 50s called Your Show of Shows. and
0: Oh, yeah. And yeah.
1: the star of the show was a guy named Sid Caesar.
0: Sid Caesar, show of shows, was,
1: yeah. He was, so, he was so damn brilliant that that affected me at that young age. I got destroyed molecularly. I was just like... I had to pick pieces of myself up off the floor. I remember how I felt. I, f- I remember how I felt. I said, how can somebody be this beautiful? How can this be happening? Who, c- who thinks like this, you know? Mm-hmm. And you know? And, and I was wondering at a very young age because I didn't have any role models to uh, A, B, that to really. Um, I, I got you. But, but, but years and years pass, And one day I find myself um, not only meeting Sid Caesar, but working with him. In a project, him and Jonathan Winners—they were two of my, oh, my comic. Wow.
0: Hom- yeah,
1: yeah, but but it is—it's very surreal. But it keeps happening, and it's like it—it it must be the energy that I put out, and 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 physics just brings you toward like energy. Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah, because that's something we've noticed. Not only do you have the the huge credential list, but. You keep showing up with sort of colleagues and friends, almost like you're bringing your friends along with you, like your John DiMaggio's and your Maurice Lamarche. Like it's not just your name that shows up a bunch. It seems like there's a crew yes. that comes along with you.
1: Well, those guys are on the Mount Rushmore, you know, of, yep. of voices. They they work a lot because they they know how to reinvent themselves. They can give you any, give a director anything they're looking for. And uh, I hold my colleagues in, in high, high esteem, and I have great love for them all. And that includes, like, you know, David Cohen and Matt Groening. I mean, I can't – I don't have a grasp of superlative terms that, that that I can come up with that are adequate to, to describe how I feel about Matt Groening or David Cohen.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. You know?
1: It, it'll come out like gibberish if I try to tell them, so I don't. I just – you know, I just drop clues in interviews
2: and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Little nuggets for them to trace along the way. If, uh, if they choose. Easter
1: eggs.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's understandable. Those, everything that has come out of that sphere is just hits me right, you know, where I want. Mm-hmm. You know, from, from The Simpsons to Futurama to now Disenchantment, which I, I yes. love. I love so much. Um, but every, I love it. really everything's amazing. like a level up of a level up of a level up. And, uh, and I, I mean, I can't get enough of disenchantment at all. I, I, we saw, a we saw a bean cosplayer at one of the conventions we went to, and I just about lost it. it made our day. <laughs> I'm a grown man. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was like, well, Princess Bean.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, um, you know, when the last run of Futurama came to an end, we showed the the last episode, you know, over at Rough Draft, I think we were in a parking lot and they put up a big, you know, one of those screens that you inflate and you can oh yeah. Shoot video on it and, and you set up folding chairs and everybody could be part of the party and you have a food truck, you know, serving tacos or whatever. And I said to Matt at the end, I said, Listen, this has been the honor of my life. I, I just wanted to make you proud and I wanted to always give you more than a thousand percent. And, and he, and he kept like trying to tell me to shut up. Like he was waving. He went, don't, 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 you know, um, you know, I, he would, I, he said, listen, we're going to work together again. And to me, I thought about it and it didn't mean that we were going to go right back to doing Futurama. I said, he's probably been working on a whole other show the whole time. Okay. And, and that, that was disenchantment and he cornered me and Maurice LaMarche and John DiMaggio up at Universal City there was a Simpsons night of a premiere and he happened to be there and we were there and and he spots us and he goes hey guys come over here he goes I want you to be in this new show I got you know he was all excited and um and I look, we looked at each other like you know the old, you want to go around
2: again? Yes. <laughs> One last job.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I always think the last job is, is the last job.
2: No, I I get that sense because that's the thing of us talking to voice actors is it really is like it, it's a it's a skill and a craft. It's something you have to work at and you have to practice because it's not a, a guaranteed thing. It's not your nine to five usual job, you know. So
1: yeah, and I and I always you know invite people that are interested in it. I give them advice. I can try to point them in the right directions. You know, just remembering back to how there was no way you could find out any information about anything. (laughs) Um, Back in the old days, like if I wanted to find out what what the new fall season on television was going to have, there was a yellow teletype page in the back of TV Guide. Mm -hmm. And the only way you could find out anything about show business, it would say, coming this fall two new space shows lost in space and a show called star trek <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: and you know and i remember reading it and i that gave me reason to live for another few months mm-hmm. you know oh my god they're going to they're going to do something that just sings to me and 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 what do you know it sang to plenty of people
0: yeah
2: but that that was it it was the mystery because they only gave you that little tidbit and you didn't you didn't have to mm-hmm. it wasn't force fed to you 24/7 and all that i do have yeah. You
1: know, there was a there was an anxiety that all of us that wound up to be performers is we would watch TV in the days when it went went off at eleven o'clock at night and there were three channels <laughs> mm-hmm. three and it was mm-hmm. black and white and and you'd be sitting there and you'd have this horrible anxiety that the coolest thing you just you ever saw in your life is going to come to an end in in like eight minutes mm-hmm. and you'll never ever see it again. That's oh, no. that's you couldn't help but think that because you never knew when it would run again. They just, they didn't tell you stuff like that. Yeah. You know? And so I used to suck it in. like, I I'd be like, Oh, I don't know. I, I would be just, uh, I don't know, just like a radar dish, you know, <laughs> and just pour as much info as I could. And and then I'd go to school and I say, Hey, did you see that spy show? And it's like, no, no. Well, let me show you how it went. You know, and I would reenact it, and I would do the voices that I could remember parts of the dialogue. And then when I I discovered a a reel to reel tape recorder, I went went hog wild. I was taping TV shows that I liked, and I would listen to these tapes until they wore out. I would listen to them late at night. I used to tape shows like The Man from Uncle, which was a spy show. Oh,
2: that's wonderful!
1: Yeah, I used to tape incidental music because I was a huge fan of incidental music. Jerry Goldsmith was one of my heroes, and um. You know, I mean, I was just, I was a weird kid when you think about the type of kid that was running around in those days. <laughs> so I was targeted. I, you know, I, they circled the wagons. I was a wounded bird. What was me? You know? So, but Yeah. You better you- know how to run fast after school.
2: Run mm-hmm. fast or make them laugh, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I did. And, yeah. and I remember one time, this one kid that used to stomp on me all the time, it dawned on him that I could draw. And, and he came over and he was all threatening. And then he goes, Hey, wait a minute. You're not going to draw me, are you? <laughs> and I said, What, to make fun of you? He goes, Yeah. I go, No, you're the coolest kid in school. I would never do something like that. <laughs> you know, and he goes, Good man. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh. Oh, this sounds like my youth as well. Like, my problem was yeah. is I couldn't run very fast because I was tubby. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: well I yeah, I had my little stages of weight, you know. Oh, yeah. But I remember it saved me a few times, like humor. Yep. And uh and and distracting these these morons, you know, it's just like they they had the attention span of a gnat mm-hmm. and you could easily distract them from anything including beating you up, you know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. If you were
1: clever enough, if you were clever enough. You know, like wait, wait before you kill me. <laughs> before you, <laughs> and pounded I sounded like smithereen. Fry when I was young. I sounded like Fry when I was twenty-five. I remember, <sighs> you know, I played in a band and I was like, "Oh man, I broke a string. Now what am I going to do?" <laughs> Jesus Christ!
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're pretty much doing your younger voice when you do Fry. That's great.
1: Yeah, I had to pull that on my rear end at the audition because I didn't know I was going to be auditioning for him. I thought they already cast it. Oh, And so I, I focused on the other guys and then they pull out this character. What would you do? And I, and I said, God, I gotta think fast. And, I, and what I did was, you know, I remembered what I sounded like when I was 25, I was all whiny and nasally and complainy, And, and I remember I was a project for a girl, Uh-oh. you know, I, I was like this lost cause a girl really had her hands full. It was a project. And I thought, it'd be cool if Fry was a project for Leela because she's oh. so decisive yeah. and strong there you go. And, and he's needy, but his heart's in the right place. So she spotted that immediately. And that's the stuff that's important.
0: Yeah. It's the, it's putting realism into these, these things that people don't think it's animated It's just a cartoon, but there's so much that goes into it. And I heard you say once that a mistake a lot of people make when they're first getting into it is that, They're just trying to rush through the lines and read the lines and they're not putting any space or speak like people speak. You know, people pause, people pause, people stutter, people, you know, and they just like try and read out the line.
1: That's the sitcom uh, influence. You know, the executives, they said everything's got to be a quick volley back and forth, you know, set up punchline, set up punchline. And that the executives instilled the fear in all the performers like it's not perceived as funny if there isn't a laugh every thirty seconds or something.
2: Oh yeah, they gotta... I'm
1: sorry. The world doesn't work like that, and not in my book. And and so, like the Family Guy has like sitcom deliveries. Yeah, you know, if you look at the mouth movements of Peter when he's talking, it's like, <laughs> and I don't know how he does it because I wouldn't be able to do it. I have to, I have to like inhabit the character totally and and try and. Trying to make it as as um, faithful or realistic as I can, you know. It's like when you when you're watching a sitcom, the the executive thinking is like, well, if one Jim Carrey is funny,
2: imagine if we had six of them. Oh, it has to be six times as funny, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, but that's the that's the mentality. And then they go, you know, everybody, every girl, little girl who's five years old comes into the scene and delivers some overly thought out you know, comedic monologue, it's like, it's crazy. It, no, er, Not everybody can be wise-ass or funny. You know, there's got to be give and take in the characters. And all the best writers know how to move them around. They know how to move characters around the way it should be. And um, and luckily, um, the writer's strike, um, the WGA has made some huge inroads, I heard, and I, yeah, I can't it wait. Yeah, sounds like they're
2: making headway for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, it it needed to happen because we had to get some good stuff done for people. And if that's what's working out, then thumbs up across the board. Mm
1: Yes. And um, my undying respect for the writers, especially the ones that I know personally that I've worked with, so ingenious, so dedicated and 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 um, resourceful. And and they and they want they're working for a guy that encourages nothing but that stuff. You know, like take it, take it up, take it further, take it to another place. And I don't mean like outrage. Yeah. I mean, make it better because after we do a table read, they would record us doing a table read and then they go back to the, the Simpson office, the, the donut office. <laughs> and, uh, I said, so you guys going back over there and he goes, yeah, we're going to make it better. You know, so they sit and they listen to the table read and they're right. They write stuff up until the recording. If wow. there, if something could be, could be better, yeah,
2: and it's just polishing it and improving and just trying to make it as perfect as it can be. That's crazy.
1: Yes, and I love the way, I love the way they work. I, I'm in, you know, such admiration of it. And uh,
2: well, you also you know. just you also mentioned that you just are, have just finished a book or currently working on a book. How to, how does it feel to be in that writer's seat now that you have that um, on your on your list?
1: I didn't think I could write anything, you know, because in radio, I used to write short form bits. Mm-hmm. You know, they couldn't be any more than a minute or the program director would be, you know, on your ass. Like, you know, what did I tell you? You know, everything <laughs> had to be about get in, get out. And th- the commercials are the priority. And radio is just a, a delivery system, you know, to bring uh, customers to advertisers. Yeah. That's why radio exists. Mm hmm. And, just, just um, soap, <laughs> yeah, plus but I didn't see it that way. Neither did the guy I was working for. Luckily, uh, Charles Lockwood era.
0: Oh, he was yeah. an artist legend, you know, legend.
1: and he was a goof off, you know, like us, but he was the King goof off. And so we followed the leader and, uh, and I learned that that was kind of a, that was a real boot camp for me to come in cold off the street and start producing a morning show. Like what, Where? what school do you go to to be a producer?
2: No, oh, yeah, you know,
1: yeah. But, but he gave me the opportunity, and I, um, and I was splicing tape, and I was recording my own bits and writing them. And this is in the ancient days when we worked with reel-to-reel tape yeah. recorders and brown oxide <laughs> ribbon tape, you know, and you had to use a white grease pen to edit and and a and a, a single-edged razor blade to splice the tape with, and then you had to tape it up. It was so involved, and now there's just button pushing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: They don't. They don't know how good they have it. It's it's amazing to me that you you worked with two of, well, for me because I'm from the Boston area and two of the yep. most legendary radio hosts ever. I mean Howard Stern is probably the the pinnacle. But yes. For, but for me, Lacadera, Lacadera, Lacadera. <laughs> I mean, I would hear it so much. I mean, he was he was the guy. You I, know
1: why he was the guy though? Is because he didn't. He was different when he FM radio. Was a place for people that weren't as professional as the ones that got jobs on AM radio.
0: Yeah, the boring. So the hippies,
1: (laughs) yeah. So the hippies were working at FM stations, and they were taking chances, and they were playing with effects, and you know, and um, they weren't afraid to to crash the car in the ditch, you know, because they they played it it fast and loose, which is totally different from AM radio. Everything was like. you know, it's Johnny Bannon, the human cannon saying, "What's in you to come out?" And that's what rock and roll is all about.
2: <laughs> yeah. he
1: just just slop here. We get some friends, Mister Roy Orbison, nineteen sixty-one. <laughs> you know, yeah. And uh, and and I used to say to myself, "Who talks like this?"
0: Yeah, I know. I know.
1: Nobody, <laughs> I know. Nobody. So Charles was just different, and he had that Boston accent. Yep. Yep. And he was charming. You know, he he um, yeah. he, he won by default because he wasn't like the rest of the. The fair, the standard fair right, on right. Boston radio.
0: Yeah, he didn't have as thick of an accent as Glasscock
2: did, though. <laughs> oh, right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh, we're going deep in here. People are listening to this, going, "What are these guys talking about?"
2: Yeah, this is, is, is this Boston stuff. I'm assuming this is Boston stuff.
0: Yes, yes. He had a he had a character that was like his very evil alter ego called Glasscock. Yeah, that even well,
1: the, it wasn't so evil as it was like a Jerry Lewis. Yeah, 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 al- yeah alter ego yeah and you know almost like playing a character that's even more unafraid yeah to take yes that was the beauty of it that was so twilight zone to me
0: yeah he had that saturday morning show that was insane were you ever on that saturday morning show with him too oh yeah yeah okay
1: yeah i worked with um my friend eddie gordetsky oh that name's Uh, you know you know his name because his name is on every sitcom as executive producer. I mean, he's like the king of comedy television, but I remember 43 years ago when we were just bums, you know, in the back of the back of the radio station, as high as rats. And and we'd just be looking up at the sky and I would say, Eddie, what must it be like to be the guy, you know, like the fucking man, the one that everybody looks to the pace car, you know, that, that sums up an entire industry. And he goes, we'll never know. (laughs) So, so so 43 years later, I call him up and I go, Eddie, one of us
0: knows
1: (laughs) because he, he just God he, he went all the way and Mm -hmm. I went as far as I could, you know, doing voices. I'm not a producer or a writer per se, but, but the book, uh, let me know that I actually can be expressive and I, I don't, exactly write the way I talk a lot of people just write books in the way they speak mm-hmm. and i I reached a little bit inside myself to to bring out stuff that wasn't so easy for me um you know and it, and it worked out i I really enjoyed it i i what' led me to it was the pandemic you know the lockdown
2: oh I, for said, sure. I can't
1: I can't sit here and do nothing you couldn't even get your groceries you couldn't you know you had to wash them with alcohol and- <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm I'm telling you guys like you didn't live it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know,
1: yeah. Every you everybody knows, but but I just sat in my room and I was going to the refrigerator five every five minutes, you know, looking for something to eat. And yeah. I started writing, and and it just came flying out.
2: Wow, that's awesome.
1: So it's a whole story of everything i ever did and And you know
2: you say it's it's causing you to realize like writing in your voice versus not writing in your voice uh i do have to gush just for one second because um i am a fan of you like you are the influence on my childhood because something i was always self-conscious about growing up was having a slightly higher register voice when i was younger i was like oh i'll hit puberty and my voice will drop and i'm still kind of waiting on that moment yep (laughs) but to hear that like Philip J. Fry was your nasally, like almost punk rock alter ego, and like I said, you're making these these characters. Like you said, you're making these characters over the top and 3D, and you know, breathing life into them. It's just, it it, it was one of those moments I was like, that that voice is wonderful, and it helped me be okay, like with not liking my voice a lot. So, I that's
1: that's really nice. That's that's nice. I never really thought of things because like that, because, because luckily I, I was blessed with this freakish, you know, unending treasure trove. <laughs> and, and, um, you know, I was always able to do it. But I just didn't think much of it because your own friends would never give you props. You know, you'd do something that you worked on all day and you said, will I show these assholes this, you know, and this is going to be cool. And then they just look at you like, yes yeah, so, <laughs> and it's and I used to, I used to get a complex. I said, "How fucking good do you have to be to impress these idiots?" And and I wish that my my adult self could have gone back to my young self and said, "You know, you know why they do that? Because you just did magic, pure magic for yeah. them. They don't know what the fuck hit them." Yeah. I'd hate you too, you
0: know.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, and that that's, those are tough Detroit crowds and Boston crowds. Those are tough crowds too. <laughs> Oh, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> those yeah. are, those are real tough crowds. You know, that's, that's- well, I think
1: most guys, uh, most voice people have that experience, you know, where it's like, you know, what are you trying to do? Make us feel like shit, you know, cause yeah. they think that you're, you're putting them down and it's like, no, right. I'm, I'm showcasing what I got blessed with, yeah. you know, pardon me, Yeah, but, um, it don't work that way. And, yeah. and Robbie Paulson, that's a name, you know, yeah. uh, he was from Michigan, just like me. He was from Flint, and um, you know, and he, he said he would have been a car salesman if he didn't have this crazy sense of humor and this this facile range, mercurial,
2: you know. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just it's just such a it's also an outpouring of creativity because you know there are the people that. You don't really pay too much attention to it, and it's oh, it's just silly voices. But it is such a craft, yeah. and the amount of passion you put into not only just the like, not only into the characters that you make, but also the variety—it's just—it's astounding.
1: No, I always, I always look at it as being super fortunate, you know, because I know, I know the odds. I know that they're a billion to one to even to even get any kind of note notoriety. You know, and if you're lucky, maybe once in your lifetime something big like that can happen. But you know, I guess it's the energy that I keep putting out there. I'm gonna keep coming in till they tell me don't come in no more. You know, I have that I have that journeyman immigrant mentality.
0: Yeah. And I mean, especially nowadays for voice actors, because there's there's so much more of that stunt casting going on where, you know Oh yeah. The, the fact that you can the, you, know, it's, it's, you can it's, hire somebody. You can hire, yeah, yeah, And as opposed to, you have such a craft, you have such a talent. There are people you you approach it as, as such. Yeah. But then you get, you know, Joe, executive over hey hey, hey, hey who, who's <laughs> hey, who's popular right now? who this guy over here? He'll get, he'll get, he'll get butts in seats. Let's get him over here. Nah, nah, nah. Just, yeah, get just
1: that just, hot guy, the
0: yeah, guy that made
1: six hits in a row. Yeah. Just, just. We just, want some of that DNA. We yeah. want some of that magic. Yeah.
0: Don't change your voice; they won't know who you are. Don't change your voice. Don't no, don't do that.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? Executives. I remember how it used to be when you were the answer to their problems. It, it was like it was like alchemy. You know, you'd walk in the room and they'd be sitting there and they'd say, "You see this bar of lead on the table? Uh, we got we got to figure out how to sell this pig. So can you turn it to gold before you leave?" And we would. Yeah. And and I thought of it as alchemy. Something has to change into something else. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yep. That is unrelated to what you walked in the door with. That's your t- that's your test of your metal as a performer.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yes. Or, or as an artist. And um, you know, and and I remember they used to rely on us to just make some dead thing come to life. <laughs>
2: Uh, I have one more question about the con because, again, shout out to Anime Houston for uh, having you there and getting to meet with you. For the variety of work that you've done, is there one thing you get recognized for most out of all of it, or is it more? Are you more surprised by the the niche references? I guess.
1: Well, there was a twenty five year period of time where nobody even mentioned like Doug on Nickelodeon. Oh yeah, never. I didn't even have any pictures of him because nobody asked for them or anything. So I just thought, well, that's that. But but it turns out that that he he played this pivotal role in in hundreds and hundreds of people's lives, and yep. and that they absolutely loved him. You know, like a you know like a classic fairy tale character that they liked. And um, so I went and got some pictures fast when people started asking for him. <laughs> Except they're older now. You know, they're like 28 years older. And yeah. I had this scenario where you always think you think you think you know how one kid's going to grow up and how the other kid's going to grow up. Of course, you know, of course, mm. he's going to be this, that. But um, I did a Dear Journal. Today, I blew up a courthouse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you see him with ha- see him with handcuffs on. He goes to court and it's Judge Roger Klotz Order the court. Order he the court. <laughs> oh, my <God>. oh goodness. <laughs> Funny, you loser. You got loser written all over your face even spelled wrong, funny. <laughs> 500, no, a thousand years in jail. You're going to be somebody's bitch in jail, funny.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, my. yeah. Klotz is totally one of those guys who would like grows up to become a police officer and then a judge after that. It's always the bullies. They become cops. <laughs> it's somebody somebody that can yeah.
1: get back at them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's a... Um, as an axiom yeah <laughs> it's it's parable it's uh you know
2: and i'm oh, I, i'm continually impressed just the fact that it, you you can have the the most drawn out conversation with yourself and any amount of guests can show up that's wonderful
1: <laughs> it's the rewards of a misspent youth <laughs>
2: <laughs> i imagine that has to get crazy in the studio then when you're like i because they're probably with futurama alone you're probably you know you're having a conversation with three different versions of you at, at some points
1: yeah, sometimes there's six pages of dialogue and it just happens to be the characters that I'm doing. And and I shift gears because I don't know how to do anything else. I swear to you, I can't even tie my own shoes. I still can't tie a necktie. <laughs> I can't get my mind around it. I just can't. And I struggle with seatbelts. But ask me to do a Fran Drescher impression. That's autism.
0: Oh, there you go. Oh, and then the, And Fran Drescher is very relevant now from The Strike. Look at that. <laughs>
1: I know. <laughs> you people are crazy.
0: <laughs> so do you literally do all the you shift between the voices? You don't record one guy and then record another guy?
1: No. That's how we did it on Ren and Stimpy.
2: Oh wow. That's amazing. That is Through a- the script is one character.
1: No, I do it in real time because because they don't have that much time. They don't have that kind of time to edit like crazy.
0: Wow, that's amazing! So
1: I try to <laughs> give a rock'em sock'em performance uh, the first time and just roll through it.
0: Wow, I'm mm-hmm. I'm sure they compensate. Well, I'm sure they compensate you well, but I, I think you need more compensation for that kind <laughs> of work. Jeez Louise.
1: <laughs> well, a, a lot of people on the show do the exact same thing. You know, Maurice switches deftly between characters, wow. and so does Tress McNeil. Wow. And so does Johnny DiMaggio to different degrees and um and Phil, you know, he can do it. And Dave Herman is a master. Mm-hmm. Dave does all these characters that are totally like he can make you laugh with one word. I mean, this, that's his—that's his six gun. You know, that's his specialty.
2: Yeah, he also seems like one of those guys. He—he he is one of those guys. You go look up his name, and then you see that like the character listing for him is like eight different characters, and you're like, oh wow, I didn't even realize that. It must, yeah, it yeah, must, must be
0: amazing to sh- be in uh, the room with people like that. I can only imagine. I can see why you have that. Like, I can't believe I'm here right now. I can. Yes,
1: I always feel like that. Yeah. I, I really do. I mean, if you go in a studio and there's all these genius level performers and and you're rooting for them, you know, you're not yeah. competitive. You know, once one person, you know, firing on all eight cylinders and raises the bar, it's only going to help you.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That feeding off that energy. Absolutely.
1: Oh, yeah. Crazy manic energy all the time because <laughs> there'll be something that happened in the news and one of us will come in and start the ball rolling, and then everybody will jump on it. And you know, it's like whole whole comedy diatribes will appear, <laughs> complete with voices. And you know,
2: that just makes me want the uh, the sitcom little side shot of the person walking by the room and hearing the conversation of the voices and being like, "What is happening inside of <laughs> that room?" Like totally unaware.
0: Yeah. Well, Billy, we thank you so much for your time and being with us on our our, on the podcast.
1: I promised. I told you I was going to do it. Yeah, no, I. I hated to blow you off the other day, but I wouldn't have been able to give you any amount of time where we could go somewhere in a conversation. No,
0: we we truly, truly, truly appreciate it. You're you are a legend in our eyes, and not it's it's true. And oh, just, just the connection, for me alone, just the connection to the Boston stuff. <laughs> that's a, I, mean, uh, I mean, I think we might have talked about that just as much as we talked about the other stuff, just because I'm nerding out well, over here.
1: You're, you're going to send people going to do their homework.
0: Yeah, you know?
2: yeah. On some awesome media, though, that's that's good homework to do. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Oh, yeah.
0: So, indeed, thank you so much for being here. When is the book coming out? Do you know Oh, yet? gosh,
2: I have no idea. I'm
1: going to okay. get it to... A, publisher but you know i mean i think i put my heart and soul into it just like anything else that i would do i recorded a season of ren and stimpy for paramount plus and i put my heart and soul into that okay Uh, i'm I'm screaming and yelling like i did 31 years ago and and i told them, you better keep a paramedic in the lobby
0: (laughs) 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 is is there anything other than those two things you have coming up
1: well, I'm still doing M um, and M's commercials with yeah. J.K. Simmons, who's oh, the yellow M M&M. and M. Yeah,
0: the yellow M M&M. and M. That Christmas commercial is like iconic now. And <laughs> well,
1: that was that was done over 30 years. I ago. know,
0: right? Yeah.
1: And I remember the day we did it, and I I knew back then <laughs> that J.K. Simmons was a national treasure. I knew it right away, yeah. and and look at all the stuff he's done. I Holy know. moly!
0: Yeah, yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah. He wins an Oscar, and two days later, he's like, "Oh, red." <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's a
2: journeyman. That's amazing. Well, but you as the Red Eminem—that's also a um, <laughs> Yeah. Do you have
0: any uh, anywhere to send people? Any socials or website or anything?
2: Yeah, um, I am,
1: uh, I have a Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I <laughs> know. I don't um, know anymore. At, at know. the Billy West. At the Billy West.
0: All right, everyone, check out Bully West. If you don't know who he is, where have you been for the past forty years? <laughs> uh, but uh, we, thank you so much for coming on with us. We hope to run into you again at some other convention somewhere. You're the best. Oh, sure.
1: Well, I am going. I am going to Dallas. Everybody's oh,
0: coming up. well, that that's a date then. That is a there date. You there you go. So we will we will see you there for sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much for being with us,
2: Billy.
1: Pleasure, you guys. I thank you very much. Cheers.
2: Cheers. And if you are at Dallas, we'll see you then. Thank you again for your time. Cool. Bye-bye. Bye. So that's where you can
0: find Billy. If you want to find us, you can hit us up at Assuming Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. X, like Millie said, <laughs> whatever it's called now. We're also on threads. Just look for at Assuming Pod on social media platforms. Uh, you can also send us a Gmail, assumingpositions at gmail.com. Daca. How do you want them to send the Gmail, Mikey?
2: Oh, I'm oh, so voices, flabbergasted right? by that interview. Voices. It'll
0: be voices. Voices, yes. Yeah.
2: The voice you hear in your head, sound it out, type in the vernacular. <laughs> you know, like how you can type how it sounds. Do yeah. that.
0: If you like what we do here and want to support us, you can buy us a coffee. Buymeacoffee.com slash AssumingPod. And once again, we want to thank Billy West for being on our show. We want to thank uh, Anime Houston for uh, putting us together with Billy West. Yes. And we want to thank V uh, definitely for sure for uh, orchestrating all this. Uh, Not Scott, our producer, for uh, helping us out with this one. And uh, that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing. Uh, Jazzar for our music. And uh, we hope you guys have a great rest of your week. We will see you. Next time.
2: Next time.
0: I wish I could do an awesome voice right now.
2: Oh, no. Just go rewind. Go listen to those voices <laughs> again.